0: Hi, I'm Dr. Judy, and welcome to Supercharged Life, where I help you discover new ways to create success, wellness, and fulfillment, and give you tangible tools to supercharge your life. Do you think of yourself as inventive? What does the phrase inventive thinking mean to you? Take a second to think about how you have been inventive in your own life. Today, I wanna take a deeper dive into the fascinating topic of inventive thinking. Inventive thinking is one of the most important characteristics you can cultivate. It makes you more mentally active, optimistic, curious, creative, and resilient to challenges. Inventors don't look at problems as problems. They look at them as interesting puzzles that they can solve to better their lives and the lives of others. Being an inventive thinker is always important. And especially now during this moment in history, we have all had to reinvent ourselves and our lives in one way or another, and we continue to do so all the time. Inventive thinking is not just limited to artists, scientists, or writers. Anyone can be an inventor in your daily life and reap the benefits. Inventive thinkers are more confident, productive, analytical, and empathetic than the average person, and that adds up to rich social, intellectual, and inner emotional lives. Although inventive thinking was first applied to developing new products and high-tech solutions and thinking about novel physical products that are invented to solve concrete problems of life, this type of thinking is useful to develop a more positive mindset and helps one to focus on diverse perspectives and to be innovative in everyday life. Surprisingly, inventive thinking isn't all about the final product. It's actually a focus on the thought process, the journey you take to get to the solution. And often you find that there are a plethora of solutions and so many different ways to create a better and more positive reality for yourself and for those you care about. Indeed, the process of inventive thinking is to help you think critically, systematically, and inventively, rather than just concentrating on getting the right outcome. And in essence, you become more mindful in the process. And we all know that mindfulness sparks creativity, feelings of calm, and also helps you to enjoy each moment more, even when you're in the middle of tackling a problem that needs to be solved. So for a huge dose of inspiration on how to be an inventive thinker, I have a real special treat for all of you today. My special guest is George Matus. He is the founder and CEO of Teal Drones. He launched his company when he was only 17 years old, and he was working on this idea much longer before that. And at the same time, he was still keeping up with his high school work and other extracurriculars along the way. Now at the wise old age of 23, his company continues to grow and has over 20 million in funding. Teal's drones are among the fastest in the market, going up to 70 miles per hour and sometimes even faster. And George knows that drones can be much more than just flying cameras and they should be accessible to anyone. George has been on the Forbes 30 under 30 list for consumer technology. He's a Thiel fellow and is currently working on Teal Drones contracts with the Department of Defense, too. He is an amazing role model for anyone of any age who wants to break out, pursue their passion and tap into their inner inventor today. So welcome to you, George. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Hello, Dr. Judy. It's a pleasure to be here. And thank you so much for the kind words.
0: Well, first of all, you're just amazing. You are a legit genius and I think that sometimes people think about people who can come up with these brilliant ideas as you have and it just feels so out of reach. And of course your story is extraordinary, but also today part of the conversation is all about how all of us can feel like maybe we can make a difference. Maybe there's something that we can work on to push our future forward in a positive way. But I want to start with your interest and how this all developed for you. So When did your interest in drones and other flying things first begin?
1: Absolutely. One thing I'd like to preface with before we dive in to the very beginning, you know, I think of myself as still very much in the process of figuring things out as a human, as a leader. I certainly don't think I have all the answers to everything. And at the end of the day, I'm just trying to build something that helps people. But when we think about inventive thinking and how that started for me, I think back to my five-year-old self when I watched an animated movie called Meet the Robinsons. It was this movie about inventing. And it was absolutely the coolest movie I'd ever seen. Uh, And obviously, when I was five, I had no responsibilities, obligations, preconceived (laughs) notions. And that just put me on a track of wanting to invent and build and uh, help people with technology.
0: That's so cool. And I love the fact that you mentioned the fact that when you're so young, you don't have those limitations that you've put on your mind yet. You don't have your preconceived notions. You don't maybe have those types of self-doubts yet. You're just excited about learning new things and seeing really cool things and what could happen. So I love that. And at the age of 12, you actually became a test pilot. So tell us about that experience.
1: So when I was about 11, I uh, uh, fell in love with remote control airplanes and helicopters, the whole hobby around flying just absolutely captivated me. Uh, So I uh, became super passionate about that started saving up by doing like lemonade stands and magic shows and trying to save up for my first planes and, and bought them and flew them and crashed them and cried. Uh, But ultimately, uh, I started getting a little bit better at flying. Uh, and one day I got an email from a drone manufacturer saying that they needed test pilots. And so I thought there was no chance, but I put together a quick application, submitted it. And then a couple of weeks later, uh, they chose me to be one of their test pilots. So they wow. started sending me their drones before they launched. And I was able to learn more about them, uh, get access to them. And that uh, uh, led to everything else we're going to talk about.
0: So when I was a little kid, um, ever since I can remember, my dad was obsessed with model airplanes. And so actually I grew up flying them with my dad. And he was terrible and he would crash them all the time. And Then we would take them to our our local repairman. We'd fix it and then we'd take it out again and he'd crash it again. Uh, But but I have such great memories of that. And I, I think there's something so cool about being able to, again, just, you know, have that experience of flying and control something that flies. And so it's amazing that you were chosen as a test pilot when I was in high school, I really wanted to be a video game tester. You know, I really wanted to like get to see all the new video games and test them and play them. And in some ways it's like that, but drones are actually in real life too. You can actually interact in your real physical space with drones, which makes them doubly cool. And so actually in high school, you started building your own drones. So how did you learn to do that? I mean, did you watch YouTube? Did you read books? Where does somebody learn how to build drones?
1: Well, whenever I had free time, I would totally just watch YouTube videos, read forums, (laughs) try things on my own in the basement, and just really became obsessive over it. Uh, Made a lot of mistakes and failures, but uh, kept wanting to build. And so by the time, I think I was a sophomore in high school, uh, I had been building three different types of drones and started building this uh, really strong belief and conviction that, one day drones can fundamentally improve how we work and live. Uh, but that wasn't happening yet. And it's still not happening today because drones are just flying cameras. All they do is take photos and videos. And so that's kind of how I had the idea for Teal to get this started.
0: That's amazing. And I think it's so cool that again, sometimes we forget that we do have so much knowledge at our fingertips. Now, the fact that you're reading forums and watching YouTube videos, and that's how you got your start. That's great because so many people do that. People watch YouTube videos and sometimes it can be very educational. There can be really good sources of information out there. So you started your company when you were still in high school. How does one even do that? Because I think I read an Interview about you, and you were talking about how you were being driven around because, for part of that, you know, while you're trying to get funding and start the company, you didn't drive yet. And also, you were wearing braces and you're trying to convince people to fund your company. So, can you tell me how you started to have this dream of building your company at such a young age?
1: Well, I knew literally nothing about what it takes to start a company or anything <laughs> about business. All I knew is that I was really passionate about drones and this technology and thought I had a good idea. And uh, yeah, I, I didn't get my driver's license until I was 18. So I was having other people drive me around, still had braces then. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and was going to these I remember meetings. those
0: days. <laughs> oh, yeah,
1: absolutely. And was going into these meetings, like asking people for money to uh, make something real out of this. And I was just really fortunate to find some folks that uh, could see past you know, my inexperience and naivety and uh, were willing to support me. Um, and today I'm grateful to have a team of people that are definitely much smarter than me, uh, around myself.
0: Well, and in fact, you have a team of over 30 something people now, right? So.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, one thing we'll talk about is I obviously love technology and, and I'm really passionate about it, but at the end of the day, I think the most important things in our lives are around relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that being said, people are also really hard. And most of the mistakes I've made at Teal have been people related and, and team related.
0: Absolutely. And I think, again, that's where the real experience comes in, where you have to sort of make mistakes, you fall and you self correct and then you keep moving. But it, people are so complicated, right? And there's not only one way to manage people or help to build a good team. But when you were younger and you were going out and getting funders, did you have a business proposal already? Did you know what that was? I mean, did you already think about those things or how did you get people to invest when? You know, you were so young like you were saying and had your braces and you know how did you get people to take you seriously?
1: That's a that's a great question. I you know, really just wanted to make sure that I was trying to be true to myself and talking about the things I I know about. And the idea that I was presenting was this idea that uh drones can be more than just flying cameras if you put a computer on them and if you power them with AI and you put some cool sensors on them, they can do incredible things for good that aren't being done today. And there's actually a huge market for that potentially. So I was very fortunate to have some people believe in that and and get me started.
0: And you were actually awarded the prestigious Thiel Fellowship, right? It's T-H-I-E-L, how do you pronounce that?
1: I pronounce it Thiel with, yeah, with the T-H.
0: And
1: uh, that came about when my dad and I saved up to co-sponsor this event at Stanford where we knew There would be some investors and a lot of developers and maybe engineers that we can work with. So we had to pay like $3,000 to be part of this event. This was in 2015. I took some of my first prototypes and and drones with me there and actually stumbled across the, the Thiel fellowship team that had a booth there. And they started telling me more about this idea where if I get in, they'll give me a little bit of money. I don't have to go to college. I can work on my idea. And that seemed ridiculously cool, so <laughs> I ended up applying. And after a couple of months, was was able to become a, a fellow.
0: Yes, and you beat out over three thousand other applicants for one of these spots, which is amazing. So, how did you tell your parents that yeah, you weren't going to go to college; you were going to be an entrepreneur instead? And also, I heard that your dad thought that maybe you would be a tennis player. So. Did you have to kind of crush their dreams a little bit to live your own? <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, those are some hard conversations. I was supposed to start out in tennis and, and that was kind of my direction. And then I got my first RC plane and then was supposed to go to college and, and became a Thiel fellow and said, I can't go to college and really want to do this. Um, and they, they thought that was the craziest thing ever, but I walked them through <laughs> it, said that this is what I'm passionate about and, and want to give it a go.
0: Yeah. And that's so great that they ended up supporting you through that. Basically they said, you know what, if this is what you want, you have a good plan, we're going to support you through it. Even if maybe that's not what they thought of when you were younger, you know, but things change. Right. And tell us about how Teal is going now. Like, what are some of the exciting things that are going on with your company and just going on in the drone space right now too?
1: So what started off as just an idea in the basement now has led to Teal and, and where we are today, where. Uh, We are uh, one of the only companies that's approved by the U.S. government to sell drones to the military, to the federal government, uh, to state and local departments for public safety. So really has been an incredible couple of years uh, that's been filled with hardships and troughs of disillusionment. (laughs) Uh, The industry went through a tough time where uh, one company called DJI just absolutely crushed everybody else who tried to compete against them. And in 2017, basically all American companies had failed. Teal was able to to survive through that period. And now what we're seeing is uh, technology has reached an inflection point. It's able Mm -hmm. to do more things than it used to. The markets are shifting away from that one big Chinese company. Uh, Regulation is coming into focus and the timing for uh, for a company like Teal is actually quite good today, uh, so we're excited to keep seeing where we can take it.
0: Absolutely. And how do you feel like the pandemic has maybe even encouraged the or accelerated the progress in this space? Because. You know, obviously the pandemic has been hard on some businesses, but I see that businesses that center around technology, that they've really been able to really increase their scope in terms of the types of things that they can be used for and be applied to. So do you feel like that made a difference?
1: I do think so. You know, over the past year, a lot of the funding that we've received has been government based Mm -hmm. and the government has been deploying more company or more capital into companies uh, that are building leading edge technologies. And so for us, we've been fortunate not to be too negatively affected by it.
0: Yeah. And that's wonderful because, again, as we're thinking about building back our economy, it's so important that we start with small businesses doing great things and, you know, just getting us back to hopefully a better normal than what we've been experiencing. And. I think that sometimes when people think about being inventive, being an entrepreneur, starting a new business, all of these types of things, people have these dreams. But what holds people back oftentimes is their fear of failure or fear of making mistakes. What's your attitude about making mistakes, and have you made some along the way?
1: I love that you bring this up. Uh, when I started Teal, I, uh, looking back on on those early days, was very obviously passionate about the technology, but also had a lot of subconscious fears and and had a lot of fears of failure and fears of loss. And what I've actively been trying to do over the past two to three years now uh, is to try to consciously identify those deep-rooted and subconscious fears Mm -hmm. and try to replace those with trust and love instead. And generally, I find that life is better when I'm able to do that. And also, I feel like I get better clarity on what's actually important to me uh, and what I actually want to do uh, and it's a it's a super hard thing to do, but um, something that I've been trying.
0: I love that tip because I think. Every single person is plagued with self-doubt sometimes. You can be so confident and you can be so passionate, but there's always that little voice that says, what if people don't get it? Or what if this doesn't work, right? And I love that you brought up this idea of trying to replace those self-doubting thoughts and feelings with trusting and feelings of love and compassion for yourself also, you know, that maybe you have these thoughts. What are some of the things that can help you to make that turn? Because like you said, it's definitely easier said than done. Sounds like an amazing idea, but it might be hard to apply. So what's your advice for people to apply that if they notice themselves, you know, doing some self-criticism that might be, you know, harmful for them to move forward and maybe they find themselves being stuck?
1: Well, that's a great question. And and I, I'm sure you might have better thoughts here than than me, but I think if you can understand that your value is infinite and it's not defined by other people, by the things you own, by how you look, uh, or by what you do, then, then you have you know, a lot of pressure that's taken off of you. Mm-hmm. You're able to focus on the things uh, you love. And if you can trust that there's a safety net below you, even if it feels like you're walking on a tightrope, uh, then uh, you know, positive things can happen.
0: Absolutely. I love that advice. That was so good. And I think that a lot of people too, as they look at people like you who are inventors, who are doing groundbreaking things, they wonder what facilitates your ability to be so inventive and creative on a regular basis. And I'll start by saying that a lot of times I talk to people who are artists or people who are trying to be artists and they'll say, well, I have to be in the mood to feel creative or inventive. Do you believe that's true? And what do you do to get over the hump if on a particular day, you're not feeling particularly inventive, but obviously you still got to do your job.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I think sometimes I allow myself to feel that way for a little bit, but then try to always think back to that five-year-old self that had no worries in the world and was just able to think about cool things and, and invent new things. And it, it's extremely hard to get into that mindset sometimes. But uh, if you're able to, then, you know, the sky's the limit.
0: Absolutely. And for people who might not know a lot about drones, what are some of the things that drones can do aside from taking pictures? What are some of the other practical applications you see happening now and in the near future?
1: There's, there's a lot. So I'll, I'll just talk about a couple. Uh, but one, uh, I'll start with the government because our military hasn't had access to this technology and our soldiers literally have no idea, like, what's over the next hill or around the next corner. Mm. Uh, so the drones that we're able to give them, give them that situational awareness and are able to hopefully help save lives. Something similar uh, with public safety, law enforcement, they're able to use drones to see what risks are around them, what threats, or be able to track down suspects. Uh, but then on a more positive side of things, you know, commercial companies can use drones for Uh, agriculture, for infrastructure inspections, uh, drone delivery is going Mm -hmm. to become a thing. And I think that is going to be really cool for for a lot of people. I think drones for entertainment for consumers uh, is a wonderful thing. And one, one use case I like to talk about just to highlight where the technology is going is search and rescue. So today you have a real helicopter that it, you know, it takes a long time to get in the air, it's super expensive, and you only have one of, and it can take a long time to find a missing person. Imagine a group of drones that are flying through some environment, are working with each other, are able to very quickly find a missing person faster than any helicopter could, uh, and one day maybe even be able to transport that person where they need to go and, and hopefully save their life.
0: Wow. That is one of the most incredible applications and so much more efficient and hopefully results in a lot of people being saved, as you mentioned, because the helicopter can only go so quickly. And, you know, how many helicopters can you really have? But you could maybe have multiple drones searching large areas at one time, which is why it's so cool.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And today, not to not to get super nerdy, but uh, a couple inflection points that we've gone through with the technology is, you know, a couple of years ago it took three people to fly a single drone. You had a pilot, a spotter, a camera operator. Today it's only one person per drone. One person can uh, perform a full mission on their own. But now with AI and autonomy and the ability for drones to work together, you can have one person that's effectively able to control 10 or 15 or 20 drones at a time and be able to do these really incredible things with them.
0: Wow. That's a really big deal because again, just thinking about the applications, they become exponential when you're able to say that one person can control maybe a dozen drones well at a time, and it really cuts down on wasted time. It makes everything so much more efficient. And then, like you said, the applications become even more expansive and global. So I love that. And I think that that's so cool. Why do you think you were the person to see all of this potential when other people didn't? Because I think the average person probably thinks of drones and they think, okay, drones take cool pictures or they get some cool aerial footage. And then of course, as you mentioned, people have started to talk about more recently about drones for delivery purposes, but you just talked about some life-changing applications of drones. So how were you able to visualize this for yourself?
1: Well, there's, there's definitely a couple of things here. So, uh, as I was gaining that original conviction that that drones can fundamentally improve how we work and live, I tried to base that off of, uh, you know, no preconceived notions about what drones are, what they can do. And instead was thinking from a first principles standpoint, like what's keeping drones from doing these amazing things because I don't see it happening today. And so as I thought through that, I realized there were certain components that were missing the autonomy, the AI, the computer, the sensors, and, uh, you know, thought that if, if those become real, then so can those use cases.
0: I love the idea of basically taking the limits off of your imagination when you're thinking about what drones can be applied to, because sometimes people hear a definition of something and they're very stuck in that box of what that thing can do. And you essentially were saying, well, let's stop thinking about that definition. Let's talk about all of these other possibilities that people just haven't imagined, but they're technically possible, right? And now that the technology has become much more advanced and is catching up, now you can see your ideas actually coming to fruition, which is so neat. Because when you first started, some of these things that you dreamed up, maybe the technology wasn't quite there yet, but now you're getting so much closer and in some cases it's already reached it, right?
1: Exactly, exactly. And, you know, of course, to be a successful business or or to become a successful business, you have to build things that people find value in. (laughs) And the two ways to do that are either to give people what they want based on research or the more risky approach is to build something they don't know that they want yet. uh, And Teal tries to do a little bit of both
0: that's great advice. Again, solving a problem that everybody can identify with. And then other times showing people an application that they may not have dreamed of, but once you show it to them, they're like, Whoa, how did I live my life without it? You know, it's such a great way to, to implement this in my life. So this has been so wonderful, George. And I wanted to see if you would be willing to answer some listener questions with me, because when I told my listeners that I was having you on the show, a lot of people had questions about how they can start their own businesses. Be on entrepreneurs in their own way. And the most common question, and I'll start with this one, just because it came up so many times. And I'm going to talk about Kaylee's question. She asked this question on IG, but so many people ask a version of this question. And that is, I want to start a small business, but sometimes I feel like I'm trapped by my own self-doubt and confidence issues and things like that. So what are your best tips to overcome these fears? And Kaylee specifically wants to know, have you ever doubted yourself and what other people might think of your company or your products or you?
1: All of the time. (laughs) And I have made so many mistakes and so many failures, and I'm sure that there's gonna be so many more ahead of me. Um, But again, like we talked about a little bit before, if you can identify those failures and be able to, or not failures, fears, And if you're able to identify those fears and separate them from your own self-worth and what you're able to do, uh, then that, I think, unlocks something inside of you to be able to do what you want. And overall, I mean, I don't think you have to be some extraordinary person to do extraordinary things. Uh, Be clear about your intentions and what you want and and get to work, and I don't think anything can stop you.
0: That is honestly one of the most amazing things that I've heard is that you do not have to be an extraordinary person to do extraordinary things. And that is such a great lesson and so motivating for everybody. Because I think sometimes when they look at people like you, they think, well, if I had an extraordinary mind, then maybe I could do that too. But what you're saying is, that's not necessarily the case. If you have a dream, if you're clear about what you want, and you set those goals, you can reach them as well. And that is one of the most encouraging things that I've ever heard. So thank you, George, for that. Crystal on Facebook has a great question. So she says, what are some ways you can apply the inventive spirit to your home and everyday life, solving common problems that you encounter on a day-to-day basis?
1: I'd love to hear what you think because the past couple of years I've been so consumed with work, but things that I like to do are uh, when I can travel, uh, Mm. be as spontaneous as I can, try new things, try to do things that are uncomfortable. I love to do things that are uncomfortable, not in the moment, but when I'm, you know, done with them and and feel (laughs) that sense of accomplishment. Um, And overall, I mean, you know, it's, it's uh, yeah, that's a great question. I'd love to hear your thoughts.
0: Well, George, I think we have a couple of other hobbies in common. Aside from me growing up flying model planes, uh, I also am an amateur magician. I've been obsessed with (laughs) magic since I was a kid. So that's one of the things that I try to do to stay inventive. You know, I'll I'll study a lot of people's tricks and how they do them. I've bought tricks. Now on YouTube, you can learn tricks too. And then I try to find like a small way that I'm going to tweak something that I've learned so that it's a little bit different from how somebody else performed it. And I think that for me, that's one of the easiest ways to be inventive is take something that already exists and then just find your own spin as opposed to trying to start from complete scratch. And because I come from the research world and I've done a lot of empirical research in my profession, in in essence, that's kind of how research works too. It's not that you come up with this idea that no one's ever thought of, it's that you take the body of literature that's there and then you say, well, what still needs to be addressed? What did somebody not think of? And then that's how you start a new line of research. And so that's one of the ways that I enjoy being inventive. And just like you, I miss traveling. I miss being spontaneous. And I think to Crystal and anybody else who's wondering about how they can be inventive every day, it's maybe just doing something that's not on a schedule, right? Just kind of like doing something because you feel like it. It's such a liberating and definitely creative feeling when you can do that. I love that. (laughs) Okay. Here's our next question. Dan on IG says, how do you generate new ideas and stay creative after a very long and busy day where you're already tired and completely spent? So I actually talked to Dan back and forth a little bit, and he basically told me that he has a full-time job already, but he's trying to start a side hustle. Mm. And it's hard for him to do the side hustle when he's already so exhausted. He puts the kids to bed. Like there's so many responsibilities and it's 9 PM and he really wants to keep making progress. So what are some of your ideas? I'm sure you've had some very long work days and you still have to keep things going after that.
1: Yes, certainly. Um, what I have found most helpful for myself, and I think everyone's a little bit different, but, uh, I'm definitely more productive early in the morning than I am late Mm -hmm. at night and love getting a good night's sleep and being able to think clearly the, the morning after I think A lot of my results have been better at those times than than really late at night.
0: (laughs) Me too. And I think that sometimes we forget just the benefit of a good night's sleep. I I will be so exhausted sometimes at 10 o'clock and I feel like I can't do anything. But now I know with experience, if I just put myself to bed and wake up the next morning at 4.30 or 5, it's crazy how much more I can get done in the early hours. So perhaps Dan should kind of flip the script and instead of trying to push all of the creativity, into the late night, he should get up an hour early and then dedicate an hour to doing some of those creative things. And I'm like you, I I find that my thinking is way more clear in the morning. By nighttime, I I don't know, my brain's mushed. It (laughs) takes me a long time to do something that's very simple, you know? Um, Yeah, yeah, so I I love that. Never underestimate the value of good sleep because it really does repair your brain (laughs) and your body while you're sleeping. So Kimmy on Twitter asks, what is your best tips on how to be a good leader and motivate and manage your team so that they are invested in your idea and just as invested in your company as you are? That's a great question. I love that.
1: It is. And like we talked about a little bit earlier, people are not always easy. Mm -hmm. I mean, I made a lot of mistakes with our team at the beginning stages of the company. And I think I know more a little bit about people today than I did four years ago. And so today, when we're, when we're hiring new team members, the three qualities I look for are optimism, humility, and ownership. And so mm. far, that's worked out pretty well for us. And I think overall, like, if you can be very clear about why you want something done and give the person doing it the chance to take ownership and responsibility for that thing, that's when good results happen. Uh, on the flip side, I mean, it's really hard to motivate people who just don't want to take any ownership or responsibility.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so you just have to make sure that the people you're hiring are going to be the right fit for your company's culture and mission.
0: I love that you're talking about starting with a hiring process. So of course, to build a great team, you start from the very beginning and you make sure that they have those attributes. Because obviously, if you're trying to help somebody to take ownership on the back end when they never were that person, or they'll deflect when they make a mistake, then it's actually kind of harder to shape them a little later. But do you consider yourself, and this is a question for me, do you consider yourself like a very assertive communicator? So maybe when somebody has done something and they made a mistake, do you address it right away? And and how do you get them to take ownership of that mistake? Because I think that that can be hard for people to do sometimes their egos get in the way and yeah. maybe they start out being defensive at first even though they know maybe they should have done a better job
1: yeah for sure i mean i used to start off uh, hating confrontation or anything yeah. that could be perceived <laughs> negative uh, but one great book and I, I admittedly don't read a lot of books on how to be a good leader or like the right things to do in a startup but one of one of my favorite books was radical candor where you can separate A couple of things where you can care for a person emotionally and and personally, while also Mm -hmm. challenging them directly in their ownership and and responsibilities. And so if you can balance those two, uh, I think that can be a really good thing.
0: I love that advice that you really focus on the person and their own personal development, but also, again, challenging them to take ownership and responsibility and still holding them to that accountability. But I am just like you, George, I hate conflict, and I actually hate having to you know, essentially confront somebody, but you still have to do it. But I I noticed that for me, I have to kind of like work myself up to that sometimes. And your advice is really good that if you can kind of think about it and say, well, I'm genuinely also trying to care about them as a person, this isn't a completely bad situation in and of itself. This can be a growing situation for both of us. Then maybe you approach that with a little bit more calm and not so much dread. (laughs)
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: So Timothy on Twitter asked, do you think there is some kind of formula to becoming a successful entrepreneur or business owner? What are the most important qualities or attributes? So this is kind of cool because you just talked about attributes of your team, but what about attributes of a successful business owner?
1: Well, I I don't think there's, there's necessarily a formula. Every person is different and every company is different. Um, the reason I brought up those three characteristics before are because Those are what are important to me. And that's what Mm. I try to embody. So optimism, humility, and ownership. And if I can lead by example with those, uh, then I think we can start to build a really good culture and and a team of effective uh, people.
0: Yes, and I think that a lot of times people think, well, when somebody is successful at a business, there must be a formula to it. But as we talked about a little earlier in this interview, it's really about knowing what you want setting your goals, believing in yourself to a degree. I know that you mentioned humility and that is so important. I believe that too. You know, you, you do have to be humble at all times, but you also have to believe in your own passion and your idea and your ability to make something happen. So it's kind of both things and you can do both at the same time very well. Absolutely. Okay. One last question for you, George. So Cassandra on IG asks, I want to start a small business, but I really don't know where to begin. Did you have a mentor? And whether or not you did, how do you generally find a mentor and work with them? So I think that's a great question. I mean, role models are so important. It's always nice to know somebody who might be a little ahead of you and can show you the ropes.
1: Yeah, it it can be. Um, I didn't have just like a single mentor that, that helped me through the first couple of years, but I definitely did have a lot of people that believed in me, that I could talk to, that I could ask for advice, even if it was just me cold calling somebody. You know, to uh, get introduced and then start to build a relationship. Uh, so definitely see the value in in mentorship. and I think it can come from a lot of different types of people. It doesn't have to be like a billionaire that you know has had a lot of successful exits in companies in the past.
0: yeah, I think that mentors can come in so many different shapes and forms. And I have friends who are not psychologists, but they're just really good at giving advice about people. And most of the times, the types of things that I like to ask are people who seem to have their pulse on how it is to manage groups and relationships. Because as you were mentioning, sometimes it can be very difficult to manage team members. And so um, the people that I talk to, though, don't necessarily own businesses. They're not generally psychologists. They're just people who I really believe in their guidance. And I feel like they do a good job and they know what assertive communication is. And um, I love your idea that Really, it doesn't have to be one person. It's really just about having the conviction and the bravery to sometimes just cold call or ask for an introduction and just say, can I have five minutes of your time? And what I found is that generally people are really willing to help, that people want to give back. And that's the cool thing. So you don't necessarily have to feel so scared to approach somebody that you have never talked to. 100%.
1: Totally agree.
0: George, this has been so great talking to you. I am so inspired by you and I really look up to you. And there's just so much more on your horizon because you are still so young and there's so much more possibility for teal drones and anything else that you may do. Where can people find out more about all of the great work that you're doing?
1: Well, thank you so much, Dr. Judy. That, that means the world. Uh, if anyone's interested in learning more about Teal, they can visit our website at tealdrones.com or just uh, search us on LinkedIn, Twitter, or Instagram, Teal
0: Amazing. And what is the thing that you are most excited about now? Like, what are you going to be working on over the next few days?
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, so some really cool technology that we haven't announced yet, but we're in the testing phase of right now. Um, and separate from that, we're shipping, uh, some of our first, uh, next generation products to first customers. So that's, uh, really exciting.
0: Oh, that's so exciting. Well, I can't wait to follow the adventures of Teal Drones and I'll definitely be buying some myself. And thank you again, George, for taking the time out of your busy schedule to spend some time with me and my listeners and telling us all how to be an inventor in our daily life.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Judy.
0: Thank you, George. Supercharged tips. Wow, you guys, George is so inspiring. He's only 23 years old and he taught me so much today in the little time that we spent together. And I just feel so encouraged by so many of the things that he was saying. And it really stuck with me that he says, Everybody, no matter who you are, no matter what your age, you don't have to be extraordinary to do extraordinary things. That is one of the most beautiful sentiments about humanity. And I just really embrace that advice and guidance and that fact that he stated for all of us to remember. So let's get into the supercharged secret of the day, which is to tap into your inner inventor. So first is to invoke the power of brainstorming. Consider practical problems that you see in your everyday life and think about how you might solve them. And in order to do that, unleash what I call unabashed brainstorming. So during this time, you can set a timer for five or 10 minutes. Just turn off all that self-judgment and let the ideas flow. Sometimes when people are brainstorming, they'll stop themselves and they'll say, well, that idea won't work. Don't do that. Just let yourself brainstorm without any criticism. And a lot of times people will find that brainstorming is more fun if they use a tool or a technology. Sometimes people like to brainstorm by writing things down on lists or maybe they'll make drawings or they'll use mind maps or some people prefer brainstorming by talking it out with other people. So invoke your favorite tool and invoke that power of unabashed brainstorming. The second tip is to learn by observation. So George talked about this a lot. I love the fact that he said that he learned how to build drones at first watching YouTube videos. That is so cool. Again, it's accessible to all of us and there is a lot of great information out there. Thank goodness for the internet and for YouTube and all of these other sources of information where we can develop our knowledge base. So look at what other people are doing And particularly pay attention to how problems are being solved in other areas of life. Then see if you can extrapolate that and apply that to the problem that you specifically have that might actually be in a different category or domain. As I mentioned when I was talking with George, this is kind of how research moves forward too. People don't just have this explosive new idea. Usually they build off of the ideas that other people had and they think, well, what's one twist that I could bring to it that no one else has thought of? And that's a great way to start. Learn by observation and think of your own unique twist. The third tip is to free write. Now, all of you guys know, I am a huge fan of writing. I talk about journaling a lot on my Instagram. I talk about it in my book, Stop Self-Sabotage. And there's a reason. Writing really helps you to process and organize your thoughts. Sometimes when I'm having a day where I feel really disorganized, there's so much on the to-do list, the best thing I can do is just sit down and write it down. Even though at first that sounds overwhelming, because when you have a huge to-do list, it feels like a chore even to write it down. You're scared to see what you might find, but you know what I'll tell you every time I write it down, I feel so much more calm. So keep a journal handy. Writing really frees you up to express yourself, to gain clarity in your thought process, and to come up with new ideas. You never know when your next great idea might come from. I started to carry around a tiny little notebook, and whenever I have an idea, no matter what it is, I'll just jot it down in the notebook. And sometimes I'll go back and I'll think, wow, there actually are a couple of good ideas in here that maybe I can turn into something. So I definitely encourage you guys to do that as well. The fourth tip is to let go of creative self-doubt. George and I talked about this a lot during today's podcast. He has self-doubt, I have self-doubt. We all doubt ourselves sometimes. I remember when I was writing my book, Stop Self-Sabotage, I definitely had some self-doubt. I was thinking, wow, I hope people will like this book. I hope people will be helped by it. You know, you have these thoughts and it's very human to have those thoughts. So if you're somehow feeling uninspired or in a place of self-doubt, it's really important to take a step back and to resist the urge to judge yourself or your creative impulses. In order to build confidence, it's important that you just try to capture every creative thought that you have, and instead of judging them or applying a label to them, just let them float by, just let them exist where they are. And this, in fact, is actually a type of mindfulness meditation too, where you watch your thoughts go by without trying to hold on to one or give extra meaning to one or try to over explain one. You just let yourself have the thoughts. And so it's really important that we work on this idea of setting that self-doubt aside, knowing that all of us are going to experience it from time to time, but knowing that. There's a passion, there's a goal that you have, and there is something important that you can do with your ideas and really focusing on that. And as George says, replacing it with trust and love, that's another guide that I loved when, what he said that I was just thinking that is one of the most amazing pieces of advice is when you feel that self-doubt and that judgment to just try to replace it with trust and love and self-compassion. The final tip is to engage your senses. Now, did you know that research shows that when you move your body, you are more creative? There's so much research that shows that this is true. So make sure to walk, move, and engage your senses daily. There was this really interesting Stanford study that was done that showed the simple act of just strolling around can increase your creativity by up to a whopping 60%. So if you wanna come up with your next great idea, grab those sneakers and head outside for a short walk. Also, engaging all of your senses can also stimulate your mind, boost your mood, and also awaken new creative thoughts. So light a candle, play some invigorating music, All of these things that help you to engage your senses can also engage the part of your brain that helps to cultivate more creative ideas each and every day. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Supercharged Life. If you like the show and want to learn more, follow me at Dr. Judy Ho. Remember to subscribe, download, and tell your friends, and take a moment to leave a review because it'll mean so much to me. And I wanted to share a review from a listener. And again, I just so appreciate it when you guys leave these reviews for me. They're so kind and I love reading them. It also helps me to know what you guys want to hear more of. This review is written by Rita and she says, This podcast is an honest, deep, and thoughtful dive into our emotions through storytelling and candid conversations. A great and inspirational listen for these interesting times. Thank you so much, Rita. I really appreciate that review. And if you guys write me a review, I will hope to read one of yours out soon too. I'm Dr. Judy. And remember, any time is a great time to supercharge your life. This podcast has been produced by Stage 29 Productions for entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast does not constitute medical, psychological, or professional advice, do not reflect the opinions of this company, any of its parent companies, affiliates, subsidiaries, promotional sponsors, or advertising agencies. The views expressed by the hosts and guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. For medical, psychological, or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician, a psychologist, or other trained professional. For more information, please go to stage29.tv.